Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Put the Stress Down podcast. In this episode, we sit with our good friend Rafa, aka Ancient Face, for a conversation on his story and he just shares and opens up some of the things he's went through, some of the heavy, heavy things that he's went through, but most importantly, the things he's overcome and he's on a path now to success and it was an honor to talk with him. So we'll get right into that after these ads. First one is going to be traditional intense they are at www.traditionalintense.com and they are a nootropic and supplement company with three pills vitality serenity and productivity they are mushroom and plant root and they are all natural vegan capsules so if it sounds like something you're interested in check them out www.traditionalintense.com use code vet10 that's v-e-t-10 for 10 percent off we are also brought to you by war dog concealment they took a bit of a hiatus but they are back check them out at www.wardogconcealment.com and use code extended family for 10 percent off if you're in the concealment space last but not least we're brought to you by raise energy and rep Sports, powered by enhanced refresh technology, Raise Energy delivers with a performance-enhancing energy drink profile that aids in the most often overlooked categories. Most importantly, each can of Raise Energy has absolutely zero calories, zero sugar, and zero carbohydrates to give you a smarter and healthier option. So check them out, repsports.com, R-E-P-P sports, and use code PTSDPOD for 15% off. We have one more ad, and we will get to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. I don't know how to fix this when I can't see right through my head. And I don't know what I'm doing that can't shake down all this fear and all this damn therapy. It's really just scaring me. Tell them, Bobo, tell them. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Put the Stress Down podcast. As always, it is a pleasure to be back. I'm excited about today's guest. Uh, We've been following this brother for an incredibly long time. And when I say following, I don't mean just scrolling past and and checking it out. We've actively followed him and supported his journey. And, you know, you can find him either busting some sweet-ass dance moves or breaking out his acting chops. And most recently, you can find him in the Cholo Zombies movie. And he's a father and a hard worker with some interesting takes on a lot of things. And I wanted to get him on the show to share his story. And, you know, sometimes when I start these, you wonder, like, am, am I going to have someone that's that's going to be eager to share and eager to talk to? And believe me, he's ready to rock. So you can follow him <laughs> at ancient underscore face. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome our good friend Rafa. But around here, he's known as the ancient one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Ancient Face to the show. Hey. <laughs> What's up, big dog? How you doing today, man? I'm good, brother. I'm good. How are you, man? It's good to talk to you. Oh, hey, brother. I'm doing very, very excellent. First and foremost, I want to give a big shout out to you and the creator for giving us another uh, day of life, you know, just for Yes, sir. Just to have another opportunity to cross paths with each other and uh, to be able to uh, to be able to reach out to all those people that are in need of some good advice some good stuff, some good stuff from the heart, you know, and um, I can't wait to share, man. I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm honored to be on the show. Thank you so much, brother. 
Thank you, man. Thank you. That means a lot. You know, it means a lot to us because, you know, me as an artist, I always I'm always afraid, you know, to ask somebody to to because to me, it's like you're, you're taking time out for me. Like I'm taking you from you could be with your family. You could be, you know, working on a script, whatever. And so I always feel like a lot of pressure. So when I have the guest that's as excited as you and is welcome to be on the show and you just feel that, you know, this is a safe space for you and you're excited. It feels good. You know, it lets us know that that we're on the right path. And, you know, I'm with you, man. Thank God for another day. It's beautiful. You know, this life is a gift and you and I are at this place. But there was a time for both of us when we weren't. So let's get into it and, and let's talk about, take us all the way back to when you first started growing up, man. Where, where were you born and raised? Uh, did you have like moms and pops or a single parent? Uh, absolutely, man. So uh, um, to everybody out there, I was actually born and raised in Los Angeles, California, on the streets of Second Avenue and uh, Venice. Uh, you know, I've been one of the... Um, I've been one of the children, uh, I've been one of the child of God that actually have been blessed to have a mother and a father growing up. Awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm very thankful for that. And, you know, I, I'm, to this day right now, I'm actually caring for them right now. But um, just a little uh, little story that I have out there <clears throat> that I'll shoot out there is, um, you know, I definitely have my mother and my father and stuff, but, um, you know, Growing up as a kid, I endured on um, witnessing, you know, my mom was a heavy drinker, man. You know, my mom would drink a lot, dog. And um, it actually would get to the point where, um, you know, we would have, uh, we wouldn't look eye to eye on certain things. And stuff. so the relationship that I had with my mother was pretty tough, especially because there was a lot of alcohol involved. Right. And. You know, and, and not to knock on her, not to knock on anybody who drinks alcohol or does whatever they have to do and stuff. But, um, you, you know, alcohol can definitely take a toll on you and stuff. You know, it can make you, it can make you blind to your uh, family. It can make you blind to your loved ones and it can make you blind to yourself. Um, so <clears throat> the fact that I grew up with a mom and a father, you know, was one of the best things ever because I was able to get the best of both worlds. But at the same time, I had to deal with the fact that, um, you know, I had a, a mom that would drink a lot. So whenever you have a parent that drinks a lot, of course, there's a lot behind that as well. You know, and um, I'll go deep down into some stuff that uh, I endured with my mom and stuff. I, I, and first and foremost, to everybody that's out there, I love my mom with all my heart. Right, of course. Um no matter what, no matter what happens in life, no matter the way she treats you, and I'm speaking probably in the third person, but the way she treats you or anybody else, you know, a lot of a lot of the times, we as children and we as kids don't don't know what our mothers and our fathers go through, and what they have gone through in order to put a smile on our face or in order to put a roof over our head. Right. You know, there's a lot of mothers out there that. That work two, three, four jobs, five jobs, just to put a smile on their kids' faces, or just to put some food in their tummy and put a nice little roof over their head, nice little blankets over them. And I tell you something, man: if you have that mother that's doing that for you, you you have a blessing. You know, you you definitely have someone that loves you. You don't necessarily need to have a mom and a dad to be able to feel like you're loved. You know, you can have one, you can have the other, as long as someone is showing genuine love to you as a child, I think that's one of the most important factors in life. 
because um, I think at that age, that's when you're sponging everything in, man. You know, you're able to, you're, you're taking this, you're taking that, you know, you're able to um, make decisions on your own. You have that free will and stuff. So, um, it, yeah, man, you know, that's, that's the stuff. And, um, you know, growing up and stuff, um, and you have one of the, the, the parents on the side that's in, you know, that drinks a lot and stuff. I, you know, I came to a problem one time with my mom. Um, you know, I came home one day from, uh, I think it was about school. I was maybe about, maybe about 13, 12 years old and stuff. And, um, I had it came home and unfortunately my mom was drinking and stuff. And, um, you know, we got into a little, not an altercation, but I guess it was just an argument between a, you know, a young, young adult with his mom and stuff. And, um, you know, it was very unfortunate that, um, we started, uh, she started, you know, saying some, some stuff to me and I can, I completely understand that she wasn't in a five senses and stuff. And, um, at that time of, you know, I'm a small, I'm a small guy, dude. I'm only five, seven. I'm not that big and stuff. So at that time I was just a little bit shorter and smaller and stuff. So, you know, my mom was a lot bigger than me and stuff, but, um, you know, I had came home one day and, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know where all this um, animosity or whatever the fact came from, you know, whatever happened came from. But um, one of the things I remember is just being on the ground and her, like, you know, having full pressure towards my throat and stuff. And, you know, it wasn't a pretty good feeling to know that, you know, you had pressure of your mom on, you know, on your throat and stuff. And, you know, I was looking at her in her eyes and I, was, I couldn't breathe, dog, you know. Right, and this um, is, you were how old at this time? I think I was only like about 11, 10 years old. Wow. You know, and at that time, I mean, I couldn't understand why. I mean, I could understand because, you know, as a, you know, growing up Latino and stuff, you would go to quinceañeras, you would go to your tío's house and everything, and you would see people drinking and doing her doing their thing, you know. So I already knew what drinking was all about and I knew the type of buzz and I knew the type of the little high you would get and everything. I just didn't know that it would be like that towards your children or anything. And again, not talking bad about mom because I love her and I would do anything for her. It's just, this was a very, like a deep experience that I, you know, that I had to go through or, or whatever the case was and stuff. And, um, you know, I love her with all my heart, dude. I, for anybody that's listening out there, if you do have a mother and that they've been there for you, please like take the time to appreciate them and love them. And if you haven't had that mother figure in your life or you know that they're out there somewhere, go out and reach out to them, you know. Uh, it's very important that you find out who are the people that brought you to this world and it's you know, like don't judge anybody. <laughs> don't judge your mom because we don't know what they've been through. We don't know why they're not in your lives or not, but one of the most important things is if you go look for them and you forgive them, that's going to make you feel a lot better as a human being. Oh, yeah, of course. And I think, you know, our childhood, it often shapes us, you know, as we go. And it's really the foundation of, of kind of who we are and who we come to be because of those critical moments, those things that we go through, you know. And unfortunately, you had to bear witness to that and be a part of that. And so, of course, now, you know, like I said at the start, we're both in a place where we understand, you know, I hold no ill will towards my parents whatsoever because they were just doing the best they could. But at that time, 
I was dealing with things I didn't know how to do. I didn't even realize, you know, how heavy the situation was. And so, you know, knowing that and going through that and as you did go through things coming up and and you started to grow up, you know, I would imagine that scene replayed in your head. I I couldn't I'm sure it's clear as day, you know, but in the in the Hispanic community, mental health, it's really overlooked. You know, there's not really it's not really encouraged to talk to somebody and say, look, man, I, I don't feel so good. Like, this is what I'm going through. It's just it wasn't for me. You know, so what was it like in your home, you know, when things when you felt things mentally and you and you were having, you know, maybe these mental breakdowns, was there was there an open platform for you to speak on these or or how did you handle it when, when that was going down? Um, to be perfectly honest with you, man, I, I didn't have a platform and I didn't have anybody to reach out to because um, it, it was very unfortunate that, you know, I uh, I went through a lot of bad experiences with my brother where um I was a very sick child when I was young man I was I was I was, I was diagnosed with asthma I was diagnosed with I couldn't eat tomatoes or eggs as a young child um but not to mention I had an older brother and um I think a lot of jealousy came because I was a very sick child and I was almost going to pass away as a younger kid because I couldn't um hold my oxygen because, you know, I, I was born with asthma. I had to actually live in a, in a bubble for about three or four months. <laughs> wow. That was the funniest thing ever. Um, but, um, you know, it was very hard. I, I, you know, I love my brother to death and stuff, but it was very unfortunate that I had to go through a lot of fucking, Oh, excuse my language. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, you're you fine, know? bro. You're fine. We're all grown here. Yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I had to go through a lot of beatings and, you know, like everybody back in the days used to think they were wrestlers and stuff. So my brother used to think he was Hulk Hogan and I was ultimate warrior. <laughs> <laughs> but of course he always like, uh, you know, beat me up in front of everybody and stuff. So you know, I was picked on a lot by, you know, you know, my brother and stuff. So he made me feel really down and stuff, you know? Um, he, no, I, um, I, I never, you know, I think to answer your question perfectly, I had someone to talk to, but I never reached out to him. Mm-hmm. So one of the um, one of the things I did was, um, you know, I reached out to Crystal Meth, and um, I was only twelve years old when I took my first line of Crystal Meth. Wow! And that completely ruined my life, man. You know if there's something that I want to share with everybody right now, like crystal meth in my life. I took my first line at 12 years old. I was completely lost by the age of 14 and a half. You know, by the time I was 16, that's when I, I was completely lost. I asked, I was in the streets actually. Um, you know, I almost had an overdose at the age of 16. It was very, very hard because, um, you know, being a drug addict and stuff at such a young age, you're, you know, I'm not even exposed to, to, to my adolescence and to anything else that I was supposed right. to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, you're to. supposed to be going to high school dances and this and that, and <laughs> you're doing that, but you're on some scante, man. Yeah, man. You know, but That's you know, wild, the funny, bro. Very, very. The funny thing about it was like, to you know, I was always pop locking and always trying to be at the part at the raves and the party scene 
and doing my thing. But, you know, at the same time, I was trying to slang, you know, you know, if anything I had, if I had crystal, I always had crystal. I always had shrooms. I had acid. I had everything. So I was able to, to make some feria, you know, so I would be able to go pop lock and drop and stuff. But at the same time, I'll be able to slang and do my little thing on the side. But, you know, that's what got me in trouble and stuff because I was able to uphold so much chemicals and so much drugs and stuff. You know, I started to just do it myself and stuff. And one of the things that I got really, really stuck on was crystal meth. Like, I, I really got stuck on it, you know, and um, to everybody, you know, like, before I go into what happened to my denture, <laughs> I was just really, really stuck on crystal meth. Like, I got to the point where, you know, I was, um, you know, I was jacking people out on the street. Right, so, yeah. yeah, man, you know, it got bad because I was kicking it with the wrong crowd and we would go up to the valley. We wouldn't jack nobody around the neighborhood or nobody around here. Fuck, like, no, hell no. You know, like, we don't do that shit. Of I wouldn't course. even jack Brasau or something, you know? Yeah. My thing was, my thing was going up to the valley or my thing was going up to Thousand Oaks and fucking jacking those bitches, weros, que tenían un chingo de feria and shit, you know? And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, no, what the fuck are you doing here? Give me your shit, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I'll share something. I actually, um, you know, I I was stuck on crystal meth and um, I was about maybe about 15 years old. 16, I was about 15 before I had Annabelle. And, um, Annabelle's my daughter, by the way, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But, um, you know, which I love her with all my heart. I was about 15 years old and something. I had my baby Annabelle at 16, and I was kicking it at Griffin Park in the riverbed with some of the homies. I was kicking it with my homie, little Robert, rest in peace, because he's no longer alive. And uh, I was kicking it with my other homeboy, Wiggle. We were chilling, you know, all fucked up or whatever. And um, I hadn't slept in about six days and stuff. And, yeah. um, That's a long you know, stretch. Oh man, dude! Super I sick see, one. Oh, I started to see demons. I was skinny, you know. Mom's was like, I, I, I wasn't even home. Though. I was on the street, you know. I put my mom through hell and stuff because she, I never called. I never, you know. Imagine your mom thinking you're on the street, you're dead or whatever the fact is. But anyways, um, I was out there, man, and uh, we were out there, and we seen and we seen somebody walking in the riverbed. And we were all feeding. We wanted some, you know, we wanted to get some money so we can get our fucking next pick, go get an eight ball or anything. Cause we had done all our shit. That was the fuck up day. You know, we were getting off, we were getting high off our own supply and shit. But I guess <laughs> yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, no, um, of course. When you're spun out like that, I mean, you know, at any means. Yeah, definitely, dog. So uh, we see uh, the individual passing by and my homeboy, little Robert, rest in peace, was just like, that fuck this fool, man. Where the fuck you from? Where the fuck you from? And my homeboy wiggles, man. Let's fuck this fool up. Let's fuck this fool up. And they were like, come on, Rafa, come on. And I was just kind of like, nah, man, let's just let this one go. Let's go home. Like, I was just tired of doing this shit all day. You know, imagine jacking people all day and shit and making people feel like shit. You know what I'm saying? That's fucking karma that I'm building up for myself. Right. And then we're here at fucking seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night, still trying to jack somebody else. And I was like, no, man, come on. Let's just, let's just go home. I'm tired. And the homeboy, little Robert, rest in peace. I was like, man, you little bitch. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, so I took a swing and I, um, uh, I actually took two swings and I hit the individual on the, on the chin and I hit the individual in the back of the head. And, um, 
I'll tell you what, to anybody that's listening out there, that was the worst day of my life because um, when the individual ended up hitting the floor, it was a woman. Mm. And um, that really hurt me. Yeah. And uh, when I seen her on the floor crying and, you know, it just, it wasn't right. At that point, at that moment, is when I knew that that life wasn't for me. And um, we got to the car, and it was the most fucked up feeling because we only fucking came up on three cigarettes and like 50 cents, bro. Man, all that for nothing. It was one of the most, it was the worst feeling of my life, bro. You know, I'm, I wish that lady the best and stuff, and it's so funny because karma hits you so fast. So everybody that's listening out there, karma hits you so fast. After that happened, homeboy, I kid you not, it was maybe about two to three weeks, no more than a month, gee, where I had gone to work. And everybody around my neighborhood goes to work. We, I live in a neighborhood where everybody goes to work from 9 to 5. Everybody gets up. Saturdays does this, does that. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I had gone to work, G. And um, my jefito had gone to work, too, and stuff. And, um, you know, my mom's always been, like, uh, she's always worked her ass off and everything. But, you know, she now stays at home because she's very ill and I care for her. And, um. It was so funny, bro. I had gone to work and I came back home. And my mom, you know, I came home and mom was shaking and stuff. And I was like, what's going on? It's like, what's, what's up? If you thought what happened. And she had told me that two uh, African-Americans had uh, had um, broken into our house, you know. And um, she was taking a shower and they had came in the house and stuff and, you know, they were just checking for stuff. And she thought it was me, dog. She was like, is that you, Junior? You know, cause she told me Junior. <laughs> but it was very unfortunate that it wasn't. And they took a bunch of belongings and a bunch of money and stuff. They didn't do anything to my mom, but they came across my mom's path. Yeah. No, you know? that's, that's too close for comfort. Oh, man. You know, so when she told me the story and everything, I was just like, <laughs> you know that's when life had to change and stuff because I knew that karma was a bitch and when you do something bad that shit's gonna come back to either you or to the people you love man you know what I'm saying yeah so, 100% man it's 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 a dangerous world man that life and like you said you're you were out there bro just actively jacking foods like on a daily basis <laughs> that was just life for you you get what I'm saying because uh, you're trying to deal with shit that you that you don't want to deal with so you're running from it and you're trying to silence it with whatever you can find, whatever drug, alcohol, whatever, you know what I mean? You you feel is working to silence those demons. That's what you start to chase. And you just, you stop caring about everything and everyone until you get those eye-opening moments like you had. Yeah, dude, because, you know, and, and you know, I, I didn't just mention it because it was African-American you know, to men, it, it could have been anybody. Of course, it could have been oh, yeah, of course. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't change the game. I got love for any color, anybody out there in the world. I'm just saying that. I'm just telling it like it is. Those were the people that came in, and with all due respect, you know, like 
anybody else or them could have done something to mom. And I'm very fortunate that they didn't because they caught her or they could have caught any other individual at such a very vulnerable moment, you know? And um, I'm thankful, but um, I mean, you know what I'm telling you, my boy, like when you hit somebody and, and you see someone on the floor like that, it doesn't matter. Maybe if it's a man, you know, you're jacking someone, maybe it's like, okay, that fool can take it. Tomorrow he'll be okay. But, you know, to see a, a woman and to see a female and, you know, like I have a daughter and I have a grandma, I have a mom, like what if they did that to them? You know, like I wouldn't want that, Gio. Anybody wouldn't want that. But um, that's that's one that was a very big eye opener for me. You know, like huge, huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel that man, and I'm glad to hear that. You know, you turned it around and you decided to change things. And you know, for me, I, I just celebrated 11 years alcohol free. You know, and as a, oh wow, as a, yeah, <laughs> I had to, bro, because as a father myself, like. If it comes down to a tall can on my kids, there's no contest, bro. There's no contest at all. You know, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll walk away a hundred, a hundred times out of a hundred because it was killing me, bro. And so now you as a father, you know, you have a beautiful daughter and what is the approach oh, okay. now with you when it comes to, you know, just like things that she's going through, you know, does she know that she just has you to come to? Do you guys share things? How are those lines of communication between you guys? Well, you know, um, the relationship that I've had with my daughter has been very interesting, you know, again, because I was a drug addict at such a young age, right. you know, you know, I had, uh, we had little Annabelle when I was 16 years old. And, um, when I was 16 years old, oh man, I was actively, actively active in the streets yeah, um, and just doing the worst. But, um, like I had shared with my friends in the past and stuff, I had two very beautiful things that happened to me when I was 16 years old. Um, the, the first thing that I was so happy that, um, you know, I had Annabelle, which is my daughter, and I love her with all my heart. She is uh, 20 years old now. <laughs> wow. Time flies. Yeah, uh, you know, that's, that's my love and joy right there. Um, and the second most beautiful thing that happened to me is that uh, I almost overdosed when I was 16 years old. I hadn't, um, I hadn't slept in over about a week and a half, man. And, you know, I was just smoking tweak and I was snorting it and anything I can get my hands on, especially because we had that shit on deck. So I was just doing it. I got to a point where I wasn't even studying it anymore. I just said, fuck it fuck life and I'm just going to keep on doing this keep on doing that I was a bum dude I was on the streets and asking people for money and all that stuff and um, I remember I was 16 years old and I was at the corner of Catalina and 8th Street right here in Los Angeles California and um, I felt a nasty sensation in my stomach like like you've never felt before and I was like okay maybe I'm going to throw up or something but uh-huh. My boy, I, I wasn't even going to throw up. It felt something bad. It felt weird. It felt evil. So I was just like, what the hell is going on? What the hell is going on? And after like about three or four seconds, my heart, it started pumping so fast, dog. I mean, my heart started pumping so fast that I remember feeling my chest and I could actually feel the pump of my heart like through my hand 
with the chest like it's not your average pump it just right. felt like yeah some, su- some super pump some super yeah so i remember looking to the side and looking to the left and i could see nothing but black like darkness and i was like oh my god what, like like what's going on what's going on and um after like three or four seconds i couldn't even breathe anymore and i was gasping for i was like oh, oh. and to be perfectly honest with you the only thing that i remember saying was mom mom like i love you mom mom and it was going into shock and i was going into shock and then i kid you not out of nowhere like i saw like it wasn't like a light but i just saw something that just passed by me and like three or four seconds passed and i was able to breathe normal and i was getting my heart rate was going back to normal it was just so weird because at that moment i didn't feel anything like i felt numb i felt like i'm not going to tell you like i felt like i was in a different dimension or anything but i just felt i i didn't feel anything but then after i was like <sighs> and i started breathing and i started i was like okay i'm right here i even asked myself i was like what's your name fool and i was like rafa what's your birth date blah 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 where do you live blah 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 blah. i was like okay you're cool so i just got up with all the <laughs> like it's crazy bro i got up and i just took off home and when i came home mom's was like oh my god where have you been because i hadn't been home in about like two or three years wow <laughs> you know yeah man so there's definitely hope out there anybody that's listening definitely hope you know and yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it sounds like you've been through some heavy stuff man you know and you've lived survived really you know a lot of crazy things and but it's it's you know you you had two choices you had the choice to either say you know these things all happened to me and and i i'm just gonna be bitter and angry about it or you had the opportunity to say you know, I'm better than these things and I'm going to overcome. And, and you did make that choice, you know. And so a big part of that is forgiveness and forgiving people who wronged right. you and forgiving people who maybe necessarily won't apologize or don't feel bad. Whatever the case is, you know, you have to learn to forgive. And when you forgive and you learn to love again, there's so much power in that. So talk talk to me a little bit about that. You know, what 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 was it that made you decide look, you know, I, I understand what my mother was going through and, you know, I'm not here to be bitter. I just want to take care of her and love her and cherish her. You know, what What got you to that point where you were able to just let go of all those things? You know, it actually, um, I had actually had been practicing this for a long time, but I hadn't been, like, uh, I actually had been, I'm sorry, I actually had been preaching it for a long time that I never put it to practice. You know, it, it, um, so right now I'm 38 years old, you know, and it, um, you know, I just forgave my mom and everything about, a, you know, no more than two or three years ago and stuff. And one of the reasons why I was able to do that is because, you know, I, my, my father, you know, he's very spiritual and stuff. Now, of course, back in the days he was up to no good and all that stuff, but, uh, he's very spiritual now and, um, he likes to read the scriptures a lot and he's a believer. So, um, 
that's what made me believe a little bit more in forgiveness and stuff. And the reason, not only that, but one of the reasons why I believed in forgiveness a little bit more is because we're all human, man. You know, we all, all of us make mistakes. We're not perfect because if we were perfect, then, you know, we would be the most perfect thing in the world, but we're not. Everybody makes mistakes, man. And um, I'm a firm believer that if somebody makes a mistake and they're genuine and sincere about making things right and pushing forward to the next level, then who are we to judge, man? All we can do is forgive the person and keep on pushing forward because that's not only going to make you feel good as a person, but that's going to make the person that was at fault feel good as a person too. You know, you know, when it comes to forgiving people, that shit's not easy, you know? Oh, yeah. You, for, <laughs> you know, you try to forgive someone that's made your life a living hell and stuff, but you don't do it to, how can I say this? Like, I'm not trying to sound different or anything, but you forgive people so that you feel good about yourself. I'm not saying that you necessarily have to stop talking to the person or anything. You know, you don't. You forgive them, you push forward or anything, but just let them know that your heart is in a different place from other people. You know, and I think that's what forgiveness is all about. Forgiveness opens doors to anything. Yeah, it there's really a lot does. Of, you know, there's a lot of human beings out in the world and stuff that, um, that pull up this front. They walk around the earth and everything like they're uh, maybe real cool or... You know, they act like it, they have a black heart and they act like they don't have a heart. But, like, we all humans have a heart. That's the most beautiful thing we have. You know, um, how can you deny the very thing that makes you human? You know, like, there's a lot of stuff, like I spoke last time, there's a lot of stuff out there in the world. You know, there's that MK Ultra. There's these people trying to create, you know, robots to try to be human. Yeah. You know, if it's... If we stop paying attention to all the stuff that's going on Instagram, that's going on Twitter, the stuff that's on TV, and you start really paying attention to what the stuff is going on in the world, you can see that they don't want humans in the world, you know? So, you know, all that MK Ultra, all that stuff, that, that stuff is being created. But you know what? Nobody in the world, nobody can create what the creator has gave all of us. And that is a human heart and a soul. Nobody can take that away from you, brother. Because at the end of the day, you have a pumping heart and that pumping heart has feelings. A robot's not going to have that. You know, um, MK ultra is not going to have that. And all this other shit that's going on in the world, is not going to have that. And that's what makes us so beautiful. That's what makes us the most powerful, human beings in the world that we have a pumping heart in front of us. We have feelings. Most importantly, we have the free will. We have the decision. We have the choice to make things right or to make things wrong. We have the choice to either do this right or to do this wrong. Don't forget about all that stuff. Just because there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, don't forget that you're the most beautiful thing in the world. You're a human being, dude. You have a pumping heart. You're so perfect. Women have children at nine months. I mean, that's, that's so perfectly done. And I think at the end of the day, we have to give love and we have to give appreciation to the creator. You know, I, I think that's what it is. That's where forgiveness and that's where feelings come from. 
you know, in the scriptures it said love cures all. I think love cures all. It doesn't necessarily have to be love for a significant other or anything. You can have love towards your child. You can have love towards a toy. You can have love towards a pet. But if you have that genuine love inside of you, dude, like, can nobody take that away from you? And I think right now, we as human society, we need to come together and we need to appreciate each other a little bit more, especially people out there that are not living in the Western Hemisphere. We in the Western Hemisphere, with all due respect, we have it good. We have water. We have land. We have stuff. Like, we have a lot of stuff. You know, we have a lot of commodities. We have a lot of places to go eat and stuff. People out there that are living in the Pacific Ocean, that are living in the and, and, you know, in the islands and all that stuff, and those people are getting their seas and they're getting their lakes populated where they can't even have fish or anything. Indigenous people. Yeah. Indigenous people, everything's being taken away from them. One of the mo- one of the movies that I love and I'll share with anybody out there is Avatar. Avatar has a very strong message towards what's going on in human society. They're taking away land from everybody. They've been taking away land from everybody. But my bad. I don't want to get out of context. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. No, believe me, that's, that's something else we can talk about entirely. But it all ties together, bro. It's all, you know, it's all mental health. It's all things that, you know, we need to focus on and we need to pay attention what's going on, what, what, what we're ingesting, whether it be food or our spiritual or whatever the case may be. And, you know, I think uh, another amazing thing that that a benefit that we have as humans is the ability to create, you know, the ability to yeah. use art as a weapon, to use art to deal with things. And, you know, you've had a few roles now and it looks like acting and the in the, in the industry, the, the film industry is something you're really passionate about. And you actually wrote and directed a short film called Disorder. And so how did you get yeah. into that and how important is that to you? And, you know, what does that do for you when you're boom, you're on set and they call cut and you're like, damn, you know, you just killed that scene. Like, what's that like for you and what does it do for you mentally? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, to start off with, um, actually, you know, disorder actually started off with just being a, like a photo shoot. You know, I, I, um, I got involved, I got involved with my homeboy, with my homegirl, uh, Honey Bunches of Oats and stuff. And, um, we were like, Hey, let's do a photo shoot. So we're like, yeah, let's do a photo shoot. You know, she's always telling me that I have some good ideas and stuff. So I was like, yeah, let's go ahead and, uh, you know, I have an idea and stuff. Let's go ahead and do a photo shoot of some like, uh, military type of stuff. And we'll do something a little bit different from what everybody's used to and stuff. Right. So, um, we put it together and I was just like, you know what? There's more potential of this little project just being a photo shoot. So I was like, why don't I just write a little story to it? So I started writing a little story to it and, you know, started putting it together and stuff. And at that time, I had actually stopped drinking myself. You know, I had went about nine, 10 months without drinking. So at that time, my mind was clear and everything. So I started to write the, the short film. I started to write it and uh, started manifesting it, started talking about it, started to get people involved, you know, Cha-Cha, Funk, uh, uh, Sweet Freak, you know, uh, Steve, everybody, Tony, that's been able to help me out. And um, we just started, I just started writing it and started just directing and acting in it and everything. And um, I want to do something different than what everybody was doing. So I took it to the desert and um, I wrote a nice story about it. And, um, you know, 
once the camera is on me or on anybody else, whoever's on set or anything, that stuff makes me feel good, man. That, that, that like, you know, when someone says, and three, two, one, action, let's go. So yeah, that's game up. time. <laughs> you know, like, uh, everybody has their thing. Everybody's different. Everybody likes to go, you know, I got a couple homies that like to go graffiti writing. I got a couple homies that like to go law writing, you know, yourself like to do podcasts and stuff, but you know, something about that night, uh, camera action just, just drives me to a different level. And when somebody is able to tell me like, Hey Rafa, you just killed that shit. That makes me feel good, man. You know, that makes me feel, it makes me feel great because with all the respect to, and respect to all the actors, like I've said it before, you know, I, and I didn't take acting classes or I didn't go to acting school or anything. It's just passion and just noticing and paying attention to detail when I will watch movies of Sylvester Stallone, John claude Van Damme, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you, you know, all that good stuff, man, you know? Yeah, man, that's awesome, man. I love that you found that passion, and I get it, man, when I, you know, I, I'm, bro, like, I get, when I record these episodes, my, whether it's my own or with the guest, I'm just, all the way leading up to it, like, I'm so anxious and, and just nervous, like, oh, maybe I just shouldn't do it, you know what I mean? But, like, hey, when once that red button goes on and it hits record, it's like, the switch just flips, you know what I mean? It just flips, and I'm just, I'm just at home, you know what I mean, doing what what I know how to do as best as I could do it, you know what I mean? So, what is that, man? Explain that rush, you know, when you when you get a scene, they call cut, and, and you nailed it. I mean, how good does that feel? Oh man, you know, when someone's able to tell me, uh, man, you just nailed it. It, it, it makes you feel good, you know. It makes you feel good because you know you got to put yourself in the position, right. you know, like you gotta put yourself in the position where. If you have a passion about something, whether with whatever it would be in the world, if you have a passion in culinary arts, if you have a passion in art, in terms of like painting or drawing and everything, and someone is able to tell you, hey, you know what, you did an excellent job, you know, and, and you know that you haven't gone to school or you haven't practiced it or anything, you're just like oh, amazed at it. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, um, sometimes I think it's un don de dios and stuff, you know, and. It just feels good, man. It feels good. However, I know that if I were to go to school and get more teaching and learning and learn more fundamentals, it's just going to make me or anybody out there that's trying to make it in the world a better person. And, you know, it's going to give them better features towards their character and stuff. But, you know, it makes me feel great, man. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel energetic. And it makes me feel that all the time that I've paid attention to detail, to detail while watching movies, it's really paid off now. Yeah, that's good, man. It's awesome. And, I, you know, like I said, we followed you for a long time. So it's been awesome to watch the progression, you know what I mean, and watch you go from a small, you know, minute-long skit to, hey, a full, a full yeah. premiere, you know, in a feature film. And so, <laughs> you know, we, we've been a lot, we've been here along the way, and we're going to be here until it's over, bro, and just know that we're in your corner, bro. Anything we can do to help you, to, to support you, we're going to do it. You got me and the team in your corner. So I thank you so much, bro, for doing this. I, I really, there's just no words to express how, how thankful follow am for you for sharing and being honest and just to wrap up as we get out of here is there is there anybody you want to shout out or just give some love to before we get out of here oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah as a matter of fact uh first and foremost thank you so much to you and your team for having me on the show you know there's a lot of people that help me on the industry steve Vallegas, manny jimenez from the streets to the set uh tony you know uh p uh p boylinger uh chris boylinger eric rafael ibarra um 
everybody, you know, all the girls, the main actresses on this order, Cha-Cha, you know, Funk, Honey, Sweet Freak. And most importantly, I want to thank the creator for just giving us another day of life and giving us this opportunity to talk to each other, brother. Right on, brother. We love you so much, man, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next time, all right? Sounds good, brother. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. God bless. Thank you. See you next time. Summertime blues. Anything I do, it seems I just can't get through all these bad moods. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. You know, I get excited for these guests and we have these conversations and when they live up to these expectations, it just feels so good because you knew it was going to be a good one and it sure was. So make sure to follow Ancient Face at Ancient underscore Face. Follow us on Instagram at Put the Stress Down Podcast and check us out uh, at www.extendedfamilyapparel.com. We'll see you soon. Don't give a fuck. I'm just alone. Stuck in my head here. I'm sitting at.